This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. I'm your host, Maxwell Baumbach, filling in today for our usual lead host, Nathan Grubel, because Nathan got married this weekend. So send your congrats over to Nathan Grubel at Draft Deeper, uh, the founder of this very podcast. Give him a congratulations. We're super happy for him and his wife. Uh, But I'm still here, and so is Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you doing today? Uh, Maxwell, I was sharing with you all the life stuff that I have going on. None of it is exciting as what Nathan is going through right now. So shout out to Nathan. Uh, enjoy your enjoy your time together, man. Like it's uh, I've been married for since 2011. So mm-hmm. I don't even remember what my wedding day was like, but I remember it being busy. Um, but other than that, man, life is good. I'm I'm just ready to do the show because this mm-hmm. is what this is what we love, man. So I'm, I'm excited for this. For sure. We're excited about it. So we are doing more uh, team draft preview type work here today. Uh, we've got two teams on the docket. We've got the New Orleans Pelicans and the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to start with the New Orleans Pelicans. Both of these teams today are in very interesting situations. They're teams that had high expectations. They did not quite meet them. And now they're picking and they're just in very interesting kind of uh, they're at interesting junctures as a franchise. Yeah. Um we're going to start with the Pelicans. So um, as of now, the Pelicans are projected to pick 14th. So we've got the draft lottery coming up here soon. We'll mm-hmm. have more clarity on that at that time. But right now, this is the only pick for the New Orleans Pelicans in this draft. Is the set, scheduled to be the 14th pick in this yep. draft. So, um, Stephen, where are you at with the New Orleans Pelicans as a franchise headed into this offseason? Well, first off, man, I just want to say that before the season started, I thought that this team could be in contention for anything, really. I mean, Mm -hmm. other than, let's say, a championship, because none of these guys have ever, you know, won big or anything like that before. But we see what teams like Memphis have done. We saw what Oklahoma City was capable of being a young team this year. New Orleans is kind of on that same timeline trajectory where a lot of their youth are their best players, right? Like those other teams. But the problem is, is that players like Zion can't stay healthy. Brandon Williams can't stay, or excuse me, Brandon Ingram can't stay healthy. CJ McCollum isn't aging the best, not the worst, but he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also getting not him. He's not himself. Uh, Herb Jones is offensively limited. And that's something that I think that got exposed a great bit, kind of similar to what Scotty Barnes went through. And yeah. Toronto, those both both of those gentlemen have shown that shooting is important for development, and you you kind of see what happens whenever you can't shoot. They have some good young pieces that haven't really 
had a defined role on their team. And I think a lot of that, Maxwell, has to do with the health status of a lot of their star players. It's hard to have a defined role where week to week you don't know where you fall in the rotation. Am I starting? Am I coming off the bench? You know, if I do, if I am in the game, am I looked at to be a scorer or defender? Like all this stuff is just kind of up in the air all the time, man. And then we look at what the offseason is going to be looking like. Jackson Hayes is a restricted free agent, and he was picked pretty decently high, higher than he probably should have gone retros- you know, retrospectively. Mm-hmm. And that contract is kind of su- substantial and significant. Yeah. Do teams want to sign him? You know, And if so, by how much? You know, mm-hmm. Josh Richardson is coming off the books. But if you look at what their current cap sheet looks like, they got a lot of cap eaten up by players that – are either aging or hurt significantly. So I, and and if you look at the picks, they have one pick this year in the middle of the first round. So it's like, how can you, how can you help fix this team? That's where I'm at. It's, it's very tricky. Um, And I think we're like, we're kind of seeing the classic like conundrum of, um, you get all these picks in mm-hmm. a trade and it's like, oh, wow, like they're so set up for the future. And then like, it just does not always actualize itself. Like, yeah. and yeah, like it just feels like a lot of their young guys to your point too have been like really hit or miss or are like really up and down. And like you mentioned Jackson Hayes and like on paper, yeah, he's like a 6'11 guy who's really mobile and can slide his feet really well, but like he still played 13 minutes a game last season. And mm-hmm. and then like, what is Najee Marshall? Like Najee Marshall had this great, like undrafted rookie free agent season. It's like, Oh man, like this guy's a real deal. He's, he's a big NBA wing. He's got the body. He can do a lot of different stuff. He'll move the ball. Uh, and then he has a terrible sophomore season. And then this yeah. year he bounces back a little bit, but still doesn't quite shoot it. And then Herb Jones, same thing. His his shot fell off toward the end of his rookie season and then like just didn't get back this year. And like he's very good at everything else, but with without the shot, it's still kind of tricky for him. Like there's just a lot of guys that that feel really incomplete. And like I love Dyson Daniels, absolutely adore yeah. Dyson Daniels. But still, it's like, all right, well, if the three-point volume isn't there for him, like what does that gonna look like? And he's like 19 years old. Like, I'm not worried exactly. about Dyson at all. But um, even like Jose Alvarado, right? Where it's like he's mm-hmm. this very good player, he can get in the paint gets a lot of steals. He's still really undersized, like really needs the shot to be falling at all times. Like it, 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 there's a lot of guys on this roster where it's just like, they're, they're a little bit incomplete. And on a day in day out basis, like there's times where when everybody's healthy, it feels like, man, this New Orleans team is really good. They're really deep. And then there's games where it's like, nobody can get anything going. Like there's games Mm -hmm. where they feel incredibly shallow. Um, So it's been one of the hardest teams to kind of assess throughout the year just because on a week to week basis based on health and who's slumping and who's hitting, like it can feel like an entirely different organization. Like this is a team that really felt like I remember early in the year, the discourse was like, should they make a consolidation trade and yeah. try to go all in for a star? And at the time, a lot of people were like, no. And it, and it made sense at the time. Cause it's like, yeah, like this is a young building team. That's like second or first in the West. Like why would they? Um, they were yeah. rumored to be getting Kevin Durant at one point, right? Like they were yeah, in that yeah. KD Swift stakes and they have a lot of the same type of players that Phoenix offered up to get Kevin Durant. I mean, Trey Murphy, the third, like, what does he look like if he is like the de facto guy mm-hmm. on a team a la Mikhail Bridges? You know, they've, they've got, they have people on this team and you mentioned that sometimes they feel shallow, but when everyone's healthy, 
it feels like guys like Kira Lewis, who I loved mm-hmm. in his class, like what does he do? You yeah, there Dyson Daniels, you mentioned him. There's just and Herb Jones and Trey Murphy, do do they play together with Still young guys BI and, yeah. and Zion? And then CJ McCollum is like their one, you know, kind of veteran presence on this team. And they don't really have a point guard outside mm. of him, but that was really never his role at any other point no. in his career. So it just well, like, feels they like still got, they still got Larry Nance Jr. in there too. Like, yeah. like this is like a really like there's a lot of like guys on the scene that it's like, oh, I would love if they were on my favorite team. Valanciunas still like yep. him a great bit. Like he's a great rotational big, but again, it just it feels like to be Maxwell that injuries. I know it's the low-hanging fruit, but sometimes the low-hanging fruit is the sweetest, right? Because there's (laughs) there's no other thing that you can point at and say, if this team stays healthy, what what do their roles look like? And like I said, there's musical chairs all the time within their rotations. And I feel like without that kind of consistency, that cohesion, that chemistry, look at what teams are showing us in the playoffs now. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Look at teams like Denver, like Boston. Miami, these teams, New York, right? These teams that have a large part of their roster together consistently throughout the year. Those are the teams that are thriving and succeeding, despite how talented some of these other teams like New Orleans might be. Mm -hmm. So let's get into what kind of our strategy would be if if we're drafting Mm -hmm. for the Pelicans here. We're at that 14 spot. Um, Because I think think it's interesting. Um, Obviously, you mentioned like they have a lot of guys, but yeah. Um, I think there are two big questions to ask. The first is like, what is your risk propensity at this stage mm. with the Pelicans? Cause like on one hand, it's like, oh, you know, like we've got so many pieces. Maybe we just try and, and plug in and, and fill some gaps here or there, find more consistency. But on the other end of the spectrum, like I kind of lean like go big or go home here mm. because with Zion's health issues, it's like. I don't want to say like you could be plummeted into another rebuild because it feels like the floor is like kind of too high for that. Right. Like there is a lot of talent here, yeah. but part of me is also like, you can't count on his health. If you really can't No. So with that being the case, do you want to like try and swing and be like, Hey, maybe, maybe the percentage chance that this guy turns into a star isn't high, but like, we just got to do it. Um, Cause that's kind of where I lean when you have this many, like, rotation caliber guys um Mm. but yeah so what's your thought on like on how you feel about like the level of risk you would take on and what do you see as their their main needs at this point well i just want to tack on to what you just added like your star player you you can't always rely on them and that's why teams typically have a second banana well the second banana is equally as unreliable (laughs) and brandon ingram so that's hard. And you, you talk about how much of the cap sheet that these guys own. And let's not forget that Zion has been rumored like at least it feels like once a season, once a year that he might not be happy in New Orleans also. So if you get a guy and you're like voicing, hey, Zion, I know that you're not healthy a lot and we're paying you a lot of money and you were like the undisputed number one draft pick in your class. But how would you feel if we get a guy that can kind of, when you're hurt, because you're going to get hurt, let's face it, you're going to get hurt and miss time. How do you feel about if we get a guy that we can rely on? What kind of message does that send your young star player? So that could be kind of hard. When I'm looking at this team, Maxwell, I'm like, okay, can we get an organizer? But I also don't want to completely throw away the potential that Dyson Daniels or Kira Lewis could end up being that player either. Like what message does it send if you're bringing in young guys and moving out young guys too? You know, like, hey, this Mm -hmm. is, kind of feast or famine type. And then 
I just got done saying I like Jonas Valanciunas, but am I so in love with him that I don't want to maybe draft a replacement big at some point in this class? Probably not, right? No. So I think I'm going at either end of the snake here. I think I'm getting like a, a table setter because I feel like there's a lot of ice cubes in this drink. Maybe we get the straw that can stir it around or we just get the big man to be the, to be the anchor, so to speak. That's kind of like where my head is going with this team. Yeah, so my my big thing with this team, like they were a little turnover heavy in terms of like mm-hmm. the numbers, but I I actually don't worry about the guard situation. Like I feel like we're now a couple years in of like New Orleans needs another guard, they need another guard. And like, yeah, th- yeah kind of. Like they kind of do because like CJ McCollum is getting older, but like maybe this is me liking Dyson Daniels too much. Uh, but like, I, I don't know. To me, like my big concern is rim protection and shot blocking. This team does not yeah. block a lot of shots and they were wor- the worst team in the NBA when it came to at the rim defense in the half court and in general. So this is a team opponents shot in the half court, 64.7% against the Pelicans. Like when teams get inside, no, like when teams do get inside against them, it's, it's pretty easy. So, um, and like, they just don't, they don't have a guy who ever drove for blocking game. Like Zion is, he's not like the help side rim protector guy that it looked like he could be when he was at Duke uh valentunas is getting a little bit older like jackson hayes is more of a slide his feet move side to side guy than like a a bouncy rim protector like i I don't know gomez isn't a rim protector either so So, yeah yeah, so like i I, yeah i I think that's like where they need help it's just like more defense at the rim so uh yeah those are my my things that i'm looking at for them um who is, who is like your like best case scenario guy that, that falls to the Pels here? So I, I did my field of four that we've been doing um, since we started breaking down these like lottery teams and picking who we think might be good fits. The guy that I'm going with is like a potential stall, uh, drinkster, the straw, the stir, the drink, excuse me. I don't know why I had trouble with that. And then a lot of people really like him potentially to be one of the best players in this class. I don't know if he's going to be here. He might be one of these late risers. How do you feel about Kobe Bufkin being on this team, Maxwell? I mean, yeah, he, you got the guy who's played his show that he can play off of bigs and can play off of star wing players in Michigan in, in his sophomore season this year. He is a little bit, you know, kind of loose in the pants a little bit, needs to fill him out a little bit. I think that he will but the defense and the hustle and the intensity on that side of the ball is there. So not that you necessarily need point of attack defense with uh, yeah. Grand Theft Alvarado on this team, but if you can have a two-way starting caliber point guard on this team, I really think that that kind of helps shapes out this roster a little bit. Um, we, we, I'm sure we're going to talk about big men later, but if you get a guy like Bufkin, sure, surely you can go and get a, a big man in, in free agency or make a move. Um, with some of these younger assets that you have on this team. But I have Kobe Bufkin as my first one. Do you want me to go through my whole field? Or uh, you so win? I'll go. So I'll touch on Bufkin because I okay. think I'm like, so I liked Bufkin pretty early. Not as like Metcalf was like the guy within no yeah. sense, right? As far as being like, hey, he's really good. I like Bufkin a lot. I think I'm starting to like lag where the consensus mm. is with Bufkin a little bit. I don't think he's bad like i don't think buffkin like stinks or anything like i I think he's very good um i think we're getting a little car to the head of the horse like i've seen like a lot of people be like oh he's got like no weaknesses and like his his passing ability is like 
stellar and whatever. And like, I think there's a lot to like, like do yeah. not get me wrong. I think, I think he's really good. I think the passing is like more advanced than the assist numbers would say, right? Like he's really comfortable out of the live dribble with both hands. He does really get after it on defense. I still just like, I'm a little hung up on his size. Like if I'm picking a guy this yeah. high, I would like a guy who is a little bit more filled out or looks like they'll fill out a little bit better. Um, I also am just like, not, I don't want to say not sold on the shots. Like he's, he's good. Good as a pull up two point shooter. Um, he's a good free throw shooter, but um, yeah, like I, I'm just not all the way there on what he brings offensively. And I'm not sure that like, I, I do think he's a really good modern guard. I think this is still yeah. just like a little rich for my blood. And like, I'd almost, I just, I basically, it just comes out. To, I'd rather gamble on a bigger player than take him at this stage. And like, that's kind of well, where I've been at for a while. Like he's more like 18, ish for me and like i had him there pretty early like i feel like that's like pretty mm-hmm. early but now like i almost see like, people pushing him like top 10 and like i just there's just too many guys that i like it's not like anything wrong with kobe buffkin you know what i mean like it's just there's yeah. a lot of guys i would rather bet on here um, yeah and I, and I feel you on that too with the guards like i have Jalen hushafino ranked higher that's why i'm not going to list them in my field of four but realistically like if kobe buffkin and jhs are on, on the board at the same time, obviously I'm going to pick JHS because they're very similar in, in a lot of ways, but JHS has got to beat on the size. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just feel like Buffkin at 14. I'm with you. I'm not pushing for, I'm not clamoring for this guy to be top to him. I have him a little bit lower at 14, mm-hmm. but if I'm looking at what I was saying, like strategically what I'd be looking to address on this team, I think Buffkin could fit very well next to a Zion in a Brandon Ingram and kind of learn under CJ McCollum for a little bit before he I do, rises up. Yeah. I do like that side of it. There were a couple other guards I thought about like in that same vein as like, mm-hmm. Ooh, would, would CJ be good? as like a mentor for them. Sure. Um, for my first guy, I'm actually going to stay within the same college team. That's right. Hunter Dickinson. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, going with, uh, I'm, I'm going with Jet Howard here. Uh, mm. So I have Jet around 11 right now. I still really believe in Jet. I'm writing about Jet this week. I'm going to get that cheap plug in right now. Um, but I think Jet addresses, he doesn't really address the defensive stuff. And I know that we're like, they need a guard and they need a big. And I'm like, how about a wing? Like, I'm not really solving that. But uh, but another problem that the Pelicans have. But you're fixing their is, defensive concerns. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they <laughs> do not, like their three-point percentage is, is fine. But they mm. were 29th in the league in three-point attempts. Um, and I've talked about it before, Sam Sheehan on the, you know, ball podcast, Sheehan's law, the team that makes the most threes win to, to make them, you got to take them. Yeah. Jet Howard is a high volume three point shooter and he's a really good three point shooter. He made, uh, like 36.8%. He was 39% of catch and shoot threes. There was a stat that I came, I came across while doing my column this week. We're like accounting for transition threes, handoff threes and threes off screens he made like 42.5 percent of his threes so like we're dealing with a six seven guy who's like a real deal movement shooter um i don't want to like spoil my whole column but but i i I get the athletic concerns he's not a great athlete um but i do think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he had two ankle injuries and his production after that kind of nosedived a little bit um but if you look at how he performed against high major teams pre-ankle injuries he was very good and to your point, like we talked about, like getting a straw that serves to drink a little bit, he had a really good assist to turnover ratio for yeah. a freshman wing. Like he can move the ball. 
Um, there are some issues with him as far as how he penetrates, but he does always keep his head up and that helps really alleviate that. It's like, if there is just movement happening on the floor outside of his action, he can find the guy that comes open. He's got a lot of footwork. He's got a lot of rhythm and rock with the ball and he is able to get himself a little bit of separation, even without being an elite tier athlete. And I think there is some like second side tertiary playmaking upside with him. But on top of that, it just gives him a guy that's, that's going to be a real movement shooter for them. And I think that the way that they've developed guys and like just kind of filled the out, like the, the, the holes in players games over the last few years, I'm pretty optimistic that they can find a way to like get them up to speed defensively. And I, I'm not, I'm also not as worried about the defense as some people are. I don't think he's ever going to be a lockdown guy, but I think he's going to yeah. be solid on that end of the floor and he's got a lot of length to work with. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of like jet here as a guy who's been in that range that, that I'm a fan of. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, you know, speaking to the playing time. I mean, with with Trey Murphy the third, Herb Jones, and then when his team is healthy, you get Zion and, and, and Brandon Ingram on this team. It would be really interesting to see that. But to your point, if you're running point Zion, like say we're not addressing exactly. a guard, yeah. right? You have your best player with the ball in his hands facing the floor in a five-out scheme. That's exactly what Jed Howard could bring to that team. I like that a lot. Uh, well, yeah, speaking- and like you can get so funky with those lineups too. Like yeah. you can roll out so much size with like him – Dyson Zion you know what I mean like there is yeah like even if you have like him Trey Murphy Ingram Zion Jackson or something like that like there are lineups you can run where it's just like there's gonna be a ton of size and you're also gonna be able to afford because of guys like Trey Murphy because of guys like Najee Marshall um like you're gonna be able to kind of pick and choose who jet guards to to kind of insulate him a little bit early on in his career while he catches up absolutely so my next guy that I have uh if we've seen anything from New Orleans, they're not afraid to go BPA, right? I think that Gigi Jackson, there's a world where he's like their BPA within this range at 14. And we're seeing it starting to perpetuate through the draft community now, Maxwell, to where people are trying to remind everybody that, hey, this guy, highly touted player, played at a team in South Carolina, was an extremely uh, a diverse team. They kind of gave him everything that he wanted. I still think that there's a lot of skill here, and I feel like a lot of the knocks against him are either due to the <laughs> we, we talk about the IG video, but yeah, also yeah. Um, I'm writing about Cam Whitmore this week, so shameless plug for me. So by the time there we go, listen to this, this piece will be out. Cam Whitmore's Villanova team was like one of the few that had a worse like assist percentage standing within you know, almost 400 college basketball teams. They were actually worse than South Carolina. <laughs> South Carolina was pretty bad. Yeah, so yeah. I think that when we talk about guys like Gigi, Cam, et cetera, uh, not being good passers, I think that, that that's guys kind have of – Guys have to make shots. Guys have to make <laughs> shots, and the scheme has to allow them to be able to do that, right? But if we're talking about play finishing, we're talking about potential, we're talking about – a team taking a player who might be an upside swing, who could end up being like one of these kind of upper echelon role players, uh, starters within the NBA on a cheap contract, while also being supremely talented in a lot of other positions on the floor. I think that Gigi Jackson could yield a, a tremendous return for for New Orleans, who he could get his own shot off. He, I think that he could play well off of others. We just need to see him in a setting that would allow him to be able to do that. South Carolina was not that ecosystem. So I just think that this might be a swing uh, yeah, for yeah, yeah. New Orleans, but they but they can afford to do it because mm-hmm. they're not drafting to fix a, a whole lot of problems on their rotation. No. Um, 
Yeah, I guess I yeah, let's so let's get into this conversation now because I mentioned this is a conversation I wanted to have with you mm-hmm. anyway. Um so of like the the Derek Nick Smith Jr. GG Jackson, like guys that had big big expectations and like I don't want to say like didn't live up to them but just had like odd years for various yeah. reasons. Like with, with GG it was just like man, this is not a great college basketball team. And like with yeah. Nick Smith, it was, it was injuries. It was efficiency with, with Derek. It was like the interior finishing and the injuries. And now like, we know he's got to have another foot surgery or whatever. Like of those three is Gigi, the guy that you're like feeling the most optimistic about. And if so, like, what is it? Yeah, I, I think that he is um, because one, I think that all three of them played in real tough conferences, you know? So, and if you look at the way that Gigi, one, he doesn't have the health concerns that could be red flags for a lot of these other players, right? There's a, a no shortage of people who are now voicing saying that, oh, well, the injury to Dariq somehow makes him more valuable. I don't know where you live in that neighborhood. I kind of, I could see both sides of the I, Yeah, I can't right? too. I'm not like totally swayed one way or the other. And I don't think that you can be definitive on either one of them. Like, I think you have to acknowledge one side dependent, like, regardless of how you feel about the other, you still have to acknowledge that like, Hey, this other thing might be a possibility with, with Gigi. You don't have to even worry about that. You don't have to worry about him being injured based on what we've seen. You do kind of have to worry about growing him up. And I don't think that coach green is going to be one of these coaches that are going to let him come in and do whatever the heck he wants based on the talent that's already on this roster. He's going to come into a team that has highly touted prospects in their respective classes already on this team. Right. So he's going to have to get in where he fits in. And I think that he's going to be hungry to do that. Right. Like if we, Mm -hmm. we talk about everything with Gigi, I think he just wants to shut people up. You know, he wants to shut people like you and I up who are like, well, did you consider this? You think about this? Mm-hmm. Like, how's it going to project? I'm not worried about any of that stuff with Gigi. The only thing that I guess I would worry about him in new Orleans is playing time because of what we've seen from other young guys. But I think that he'll want to, I think that'll make him want to work harder to, to get on the floor. Yeah. So he is, I'm actually doing my Gigi like film deep dive tomorrow. Um, but I lean toward him out of those three as well. Um, I, I really cooled on Gigi. Like I just did yeah. not like what I saw in SEC play. And I think mm-hmm. what I need to do is go back and watch like the games early in the season against Clemson and things like that. Cause after that Clemson game, like I loved him. I wrote about yeah. him. I was all, I like love, I absolutely loved what I saw. Um, I need to go back to the high school film too, but I just like, I was texting Nathan about this the other day. Like, do we really just think he's going to never decide to get downhill at the NBA? Like it just feels like a lot of the fixes are just like, okay, that's like a pretty normal thing for a young player to have a problem with like, Oh, he doesn't like always read the floor. Like sometimes he doesn't pay attention on defense. It's just like a lot of this stuff is like, all right, well, do we think he's going to be this forever? And like, I don't know. I, I understand the concern of like, am I getting that value? Right? Like if I'm, if I'm drafting him, am I accidentally going to move on from him or are we going to trade him too soon or whatever? But like, I don't know. A lot of this stuff just kind of is like feeling fixable to me and i also just think the fact that he is really big makes a difference too or like i so i don't know that gg's ever gonna be like a small ball five because his wingspan isn't great which is like the one i don't think you want him to no 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 no. like i like instinctually i think he's not all the way there but even if he was like "Eh, not super long like but still like he's giant for a wing and like he can catch and shoot he's solid catch and shoot numbers very very good for a player his age playing that level of competition at that size um and like Dariq, I don't love I don't love the decision making with Dariq. 
Nick Smith, I, I, I think he's just kind of a little basic as far as like how he does some things, but with Gigi, it's like, how much that is he even going to do? Like, is Gigi just going to be like a play finisher? And then you're like, Hey, go guard the ball really hard. And then like yeah. start to make better reads. And like, I just wonder like if when he's in a more simplified role, there's a lot of this stuff just kind of like end up taking care of itself. And how simple is that? I don't know. I, I cooled on Gigi pretty hard and like just philosophically, the more I've thought about him, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this seems like he's almost going to have to try to not, to not make it work. And yeah, I just don't know how comfortable I feel <laughs> betting against a guy who is like, Hey, you can make a hundred million dollars if you do this stuff. And him being like, Oh, no, thanks. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just starting to be like, I, I don't know. I, yeah. At the tail end of the lottery, I think he could do a heck of a lot worse, right? And yeah, 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 yeah. As a floor, do you think it's crazy that he could be your Larry Nash Jr. replacement? Like, as a floor? Yeah. Is that nuts? So, I don't think he's ever, like, the passer that Larry Nance Jr. is. But I think, like, in terms of the rest of the role, he could be that. You know Nance I mean? wasn't like, a crazy passer until later. Like, and mm-hmm. that, I think that's kind of like the cautionary tale of, like, saying that everything that we've seen now and i'm not saying you but I just no like no no no. but it is about projecting large. forward this kid's yeah. 18 years old <laughs> like yeah in athleticism and size you can't mm-hmm. that's never going to come later you know what i mean so exactly like, exactly he yeah he has ground that other people cannot make up exactly and if we've seen anything we've seen athletes can succeed as long as they're given like a pathway to be able to do so. And I think new Orleans could give him that pathway. Yeah. Um, so the next name I'm going to throw out for new Orleans, um, similar vein to Gigi. Cause I don't want to steal Gigi. And I, I'm actually, I might actually bring up Gigi again later. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Leonard Miller. Um, so I'm, this is like, this is like my guy where I'm like, I know I'm too rich for your blood. The same way you were with Go- like with Kobe Buffkin. Like we're going to have this yep. same conversation kind of about Leonard Miller here. where like, you're, you like him, but yeah, I don't think you you love him. So I I, res- I respect the love that people have for him. Mm-hmm. I just I am not there. I, I get I just, it. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So with Leonard, um, this is sort of a tools and upside bet, right? Like this is a guy yeah. that's six ten, seven two wingspan, um, theoretical multi position defender. He got a lot better at it throughout the season. Um, still missed some rotations, things like that. Which again, young guy, uh, playing mm-hmm. in a pro league. Um, but with Leonard, to me, the thing that stands out is just the motor is so damn high that yeah. I don't, I don't see him failing. And I know it's like, you don't want to take like a, well, he's not going to fail a guy at 14, but I think with Leonard Miller, the reason you take him is because I do think there is a lot of like real palpable upside here. Mm. It's a guy who basically posted like 10 and 17 in a pro league after his best opposition that he faced prior to this was like Canadian high schoolers in two days <laughs> of NBA combine. Um, yeah. so there's there's a real argument to be made that just based on how much he improved throughout one season facing pro competition, there is a lot left to him. And I really buy that. Um, I think a big knock on him is the jump shot, right? Because yeah. he was a 32% three-point shooter. And the three is ugly. Like, it yes. is a low... Um, you know, I was, I was a thrower track and field in high school. It's a shot put motion. Like, I know that motion <laughs> very well. Um, but here's the thing. I think he had flashes of a better release. He was like an 82% free throw shooter. And I think he's got really good touch. He made 42% of his twos off the dribble, which is like a lot better than a lot of the guys that we talk about as perimeter shooters in this Mm -hmm. class. So I think the touch is there. I think based on how hard he plays and how he gets after it, that shot can change and get better. 
Um, and like for a guy who's 19 and six foot 10 shooting from an NBA three point line, 32% is like a really good starting point. Yeah. Um, and I, I also thought that when teams sagged on him, he just kind of said, well, I'm going to get downhill and he's got enough shake and wiggle that like, you can't really get him a ton of room. He's very tough. He finished like 61.3% the rim. I know G league, a lot of undersized centers and things like that. Like it's not, yeah. it's not the same. But the fact that he was just willing to say, if you're going to give me the space, I'm going to eat it up. And I don't care if you follow me because I'm a really good free throw shooter. I think he responds to what defenses give him pretty well. Um, Again, a lot of his points come in transition. A lot of his baskets come off the fact that he's simply just more athletic and working harder than a lot of people. And a lot of that stuff might go away. But I just I really like the upside bet here with Leonard Miller. And And this is a team that historically has done a good job of getting people to shoot the ball better. And if you've got a guy that all of a sudden, like he's 6'10", he gets comfortable defending. He's a plus athlete. He's knocking down threes at a respectable clip. He's never been shy about taking them. He'll deal with contact. Like, I think there's a real way where Leonard Miller hits big for this team. And I know the fit's weird with like him and Zion or whatever, but like at the same time, like if if you have a problem where Leonard Miller and Zion are both really good and you can't play him at the same time, that's like, that's a good pro That's a good position to be in still. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I like this one here. So again, with with Leonard Miller, I, I understand that like I'm warming up to the fact that he is probably going to be like a a, a long term NBA player within rotations. Where I'm struggling is like where in that rotation is he going to be yeah, for yeah, yeah. a long time? You know, and I I kind of I feel like I see where you're getting at with the New Orleans fit, and and I can buy this, right? Like in terms of team fit, if I'm ignoring the pick, at like how high the pick is at 14 to me, taking him, if I'm so, solely looking at team fit, I see the vision. You know what I mean? Like, and if hustle and effort is a skill, like Leonard Miller has that in spades. But we're we're talking about you know spreading the floor. We're talking about you know defensive. Uh, rim protection and things like that. I feel like as a front court player, the rebounding is there. I don't know how I feel about him as like a weak side rim protector, yeah, let yeah, alone yeah. an anchor. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, I think that he'll move the, the the ball very well. I like the grab and go stuff in his game, and he has a unique way of finishing around the basket. You talk about him getting to the rim; he can torch his body in such weird, awkward ways that it's like. I don't know if that's going to make him unstoppable or hurt. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he's going to be on the floor a lot. So, Mm -hmm. but he he holds up in a pro league, like the G league. So as Mm -hmm. many concerns as I can have, I definitely understand seeing like what we're looking at in his game now and thinking like, okay, like there are a lot of can't miss stuff within his game. If again, if I'm throwing out the pick number and I see the team fit, I, I, I like the vision. I, I can see that for, for Leonard a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my next name that I want to throw out, Cason Wallace. I feel like he is like the perfect point guard prospect that you can draft if you are not looking for a point guard to be the, the drinkster. Like if you want to go point Zion, like Cason Wallace is your dude because he is a reliable three-point shooter. He can pass. It's not like his passing is inept. He is probably just not like the deepest bad guy, the biggest wiggle guy, or like the craziest vision guy, but he can keep the ball moving. He makes great decisions. Oh, and by the way, him and Grand Theft Alvarado are probably going to be hounds in practice. They're probably going to just be like 
you're going to need to separate these two in practice. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're just going to get in heated one-on-ones a lot, but I don't know, man. Like I think Kaysen is like so plug and play that you could put him at any range and be totally happy with drafting him probably outside the top three. Yeah. I, I like Kaysen a lot. Um, I have him very high and I'm going to touch on him a bit later. So I don't want to say too okay. much about him here, but I do think if he's here, I think he's a good pick. I like, I think yeah. that's more than more than worthwhile. Um, I'm going to throw out if we are playing, I'm going to do one like fit one and then one like upside play. Okay. Um, the first one, I kind of feel like I'm not sure if he's going to be on the board still based on where things are Uh-oh. trending. And that's Derek lively. Yeah. He was my last guy. I, yeah. I, okay. Let's yeah. yeah. So I, if you're just looking for rim protection, right, this is the guy that's and cool. like, it's again, like was I on the fit and like all that stuff. But like, I, I get it. Um, because Derek lively doesn't do anything other than dunk. At least he hasn't last year, but I think I, you know, watched him in high school. And he was like a 30% three-point shooter, which again, for a player, his size, his age is very good. I understand the free throw shooting wasn't very good. I understand he missed the jump shots he took in college this season. Yep. I am still not totally out on him being a guy that makes a couple threes here and there. Like, I'm yeah. not saying like he's going to be for Brooke Lopez has, or anything. Yeah. yeah, like don't don't <laughs> get me wrong. Um, but I do think that's still something that's very much on the table for him. I don't think that goes away. Uh, yeah, and he's, he's going to block shots. He's going to finish plays. And I'm really bullish on the passing with Derek Lively. I, I like the passing once, too, yes. I think once his frame fills out, there's going to be a lot of short roll stuff, but also just like his nose for the offensive glass and how well he has the floor mapped as far as like, I've grabbed the offensive rebound. Here's where my open shooter is. When we know what the numbers say about shooting a three off an offensive rebound, like that is such a valuable skill. Um, I love how he reads the back line of the defense and the dunker spot. Like, mm-hmm. I I think that, yeah, like I, I understand this guy scored like 14 points for 100 possessions. <laughs> like he did not score yeah. the ball very much, but like I am just so optimistic about the other areas of his game and what he brings defensively that like I know he's not the sexiest pick here, but I, I still really think there's a lot of upside in him. And he, because of how mobile he is and how switchable he is on top of being like, the excellent rim protector and, and paint deterrent that he is. Um, he's like a guy that you want in a playoff game, like is, yep. is a big man. And I understand again, offensively like, teams are really going to sag if you're running pick and roll with him in, right now and things like that. But like, it just feels like that stuff can come around. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I threw him out there. Uh, and then my, so yeah, you get your thoughts on him real quick. And yeah. Just, just real quick. I think that one, I have lively lower, yeah, uh, yeah. on my board and i i don't think that the gap between him and some of the other center prospects i don't know if you're gonna are you gonna throw out another big man Mm-mm. okay so then I'll, I'll just throw out some other ones i don't know if the gap between like him and james Najee is is that is that vast you know we're talking like long term trace jackson davis and then bono there are other bigs that i feel like if you don't get Derek lively then you're screwed right it's not like in the nfl draft where like there's one first round running back and then you don't take another one for five rounds I, I don't think that that's the case with Lively, but I do like the fit and I get what you're saying. Like he doesn't do like the sexiest stuff, but I don't think new Orleans needs sexy anymore. You know what I mean? I think that yep. they, they need just someone that they can rely to come home to that. They know is just going to be good to them and you know take care <laughs> of them or provide their basic needs. You know, they don't need a <laughs> yeah, supermodel yeah. anymore. They just need someone who's going to like, Hey, sweetie, how was your day? I did laundry. Mm-hmm. Here's food, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. whatever, wherever, whatever the case may be. I think that Derek Lively could be that type of role player on your team. And then you touched on the playoffs. 
drop coverage in the NBA is not as prominent or successful as what we once thought it would be with some of the big men that we're seeing now. But you still need guys like this. Like, look at what Mitchell Robbins is doing uh, for, for New York. You know, there, there are teams, you know, Kevon Looney for the Golden State Warriors. You you need these big hustle guys in certain matchups, lineups. You need to diversify your big man rotation. You can always use a guy like Eric Gladwell. Yeah. And then my upside swing would be uh, Bryce Sensabaugh, who I just wrote about. Like, again, like. Is he going to be available at 14, Maxwell? I don't know. I don't know. I've got him 13. Um, I think ESPN's okay. got him around 15. So there's, it seems like he will be. I know if it were me, if it were me Nathan and Corey drafting, I don't know that it would be. But <laughs> seven uh, picks ago, this man's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think just in terms of like a pure upside play because of how gifted he is as a scorer, um, I, I think he would be like worth just a, a stab. If he's I definitely considered him. The guys break. So, um, did you have any other names you wanted to throw out for them? Uh, no, I, I, I'm All good. Right. Uh, do you want to take a break and hit yeah, the, let's take a quick Mavericks. break here, and then after we come back from the break, we are going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right. We are back from our break here. Um, so let's get into the Dallas Mavericks. So the Dallas Mavericks are a very, very interesting basketball team. This is a team that, uh, yeah, you have one of the best young players in the NBA. And when that's the case, expectations are always high. And instead, they were a team that is being fined because they uh-huh. may or may not have tanked a game that would have gotten them into the play-in. So if yeah. you had heard that before the season as the Dallas Mavericks fan, you probably would not be thrilled about the way things went. They were 38-44. and 44. Uh, They made a midseason trade to acquire Kyrie Irving. Uh, they do not know if he is going to be around long-term. Uh, yeah. So they are just a very, very, like you said earlier, interesting juncture as a franchise. Yes. Um, so Steven, let's get your thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. So man, I thought that they would be a Western conference finals team based on what we've seen. You know, they have a guy who, I don't know if where people are kind of vibing on him right now in terms of MVP considerations moving forward. It feels like Luka Doncic, is starting to become kind of like a hill. If we're going to, we, we love yeah. wrestling. It feels like mm-hmm. Luca's on a hill turn right now. You know what I mean? With like the constant complaints, he might be the Austin theory of the, of the <laughs> Oh <NBA> no, right now. <laughs> that is be. not a comment you want to hear if you're not a wrestling fan. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but in all seriousness, outside of Luca, this team had some good depth pieces, but 
they let Jalen Brunson go for free. I don't know if we need to dive into that. We're not like a year-round NBA podcast. I'm pretty sure everyone has already heard the discourse about how bad of a move it is to let the guy who you're seeing balling out in the playoffs right now while Dallas is on their couches. Probably not a, a, a good move. Um, yeah, and then you talk about like Dinwiddie being gone, who wasn't the best player on this team, but when it, when he was in an established pecking order the way that he was in Dallas, he was fine. Dorian Finney-Smith, an unsung hero on this team. Outs, people outside of Dallas probably aren't as high on the people um, that are Dallas Mavericks fans. Uh, him being on, huge blow to this team. Dwight Powell is uh, not living up to the contract that they gave him. You know, Christian Wood, how could we forget him? You know, the the long rivalry between him and Coach Kidd. Like, he's not a starter. He's not a closer either. We're just going to play him in the second and third quarter. Um, he could be walking away for nothing uh, this offseason. So, I don't know, man. Like, they were already in a tough spot before they cashed in for Kyrie Irving, who you mentioned could be out the door uh, very soon. So now their whole roster is depleted, and they don't have a lot of draft capital either. So they got their pick this year. Moving forward, I don't know how you feel good about being a Dallas Maverick fan other than saying that we have a heliocentric superstar and Luka Doncic on our team, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I am I am in full swing for the fences mode yes. with this team because he is really – this is a team that is really just – kind of stuck yeah. like because you're you, even if you get Kyrie or that goes south like you can't trade him for anything you just do not have a lot of organizational mobility um you you got to do something here you got to do something because you made your move for Kyrie you kind of are where you are you can't trade a bunch of your picks um it doesn't as much as I like Jaden Hardy it doesn't seem like they have like a star star upside player on this roster. So you've got to go. You've got to, got to go. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, Josh Green's friends, nice. Yeah. No, yeah. Josh Green's nice too. Um, yeah. But like Josh Green's also six, five. And like, yeah. this is one of those teams that um, it's stuck out a lot on film. And I asked one of my like best friends is a Dallas Mavericks fan. And I asked him, I was like, what are you looking for? And like the biggest thing is Help. like, <laughs> like one of the big things like it, it was like really apparent on films like this is just a small team like yeah. luke is like a big initiator but then it's like okay but then you're playing him with Kyrie, you're playing him with Jaden hardy who's six four josh green is six five jim hardaway six five like justin holiday six six bullock is six six like there's just not a lot of like big lineups you can play around your big initiator to create advantages so yep. when you're playing smaller with a big initiator it just doesn't have the same like organizational impact like it's not like oh well, crap i've got to put my 6-1 point guard on luka Doncic. that's not what's happening you can put that guy in Kyrie. you can put him on you can hide him on josh green in the corner if you want you know what i mean like there's yeah there's just too many ways that you can be flexible and defend this team um and there's just not a lot of crazy athletes on this team right like this nope. is a team that uh just doesn't have a lot of like big athletic dudes that can move uh i like maxi kleber i've always been like a big man like i, I feel like i've Kleber consistently too. been obscenely high on like what nicholas cleaver is as an nba player but he's um, got but a like, low-key injury history now exactly you know? exactly yeah. and then like dwight powell's had injuries in the past mm -hmm. so like it's just one of those teams that you look at the roster and like christian wood isn't like a great room protector like they just need bigger guys that are athletic yeah. 
Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at with the Dallas Mavericks. So let's get into uh, who we're looking at for them. Who were guys that uh, that jumped out to you for the Mavs? Yeah, so if I'm looking at this team, I consider I'm considering play finishers, right? Like we're diving deep into Luca being the table setter on this team, or maybe. Uh, depending on who you like, maybe someone who can give some relief to Luca, kind of similar to what Jalen Brunson did, because we know that that was a successful tandem for Dallas. So maybe I'm looking for someone who can do a little bit of that. And the first guy that I'm going to bring up, uh, I understand that I'm higher on him than a lot of people. That's not to say that a lot of people don't like Jalen Hushafino. It's just that I am like where I'm putting him on my big board. I believe if I can pull it up right now. Yeah, I have him at eight right now. So oh, wow. not a okay. lot. Yeah, not a lot of people having JHS at eight. I think that he can do a lot of what Brunson does. I'm not saying that he will be that, but if you look at the pick and roll ability that he has to his game, the smoothness of playing off of somebody, another high usage player in college in his freshman year was a big deal for him. I think that he can improve defensively. I think that there's a lot of stuff that he and Trace Jackson Davis could do better in a uh, more modernized offensive system than what, uh, they were able to do it in Indiana. I just feel like Maxwell, guys who can play at their own pace and not be sped up, they have a high success rate in the NBA, especially with dudes that have the size of JHS who might be like 6'5", 6'6", somewhere in that neighborhood. So you give Luca another big guy who can snake his way into the paint, who can get his way into the spots, who can step up and be like your big shot maker, but can also defer to another high usage player. So I think that that pairing could be very successful uh, in, in Dallas. And I think that Dallas, quite honestly, would be interesting in, in a player like that. Now, again, I know I'm much higher. There are some people that think that Anthony Black could be that guy. I, be, I buy JHS's shot long term, like infinitely more than what Anthony Black is looking like he can do right now. And I don't think that JHS's defense is going to be Probably he's not going to be a world beater on that end, but I don't think long-term that he is going to be a zero either. So I think that he and Luca could kind of coexist in a lot of ways on this Dallas team. Yeah. So it's interesting because I actually like my philosophy with this went so far in the other direction where I'm almost yeah. like not even worried about ball skills at all. <laughs> like, okay. With, with this pick, like I am very much in on like, who's not going to touch the ball very much and still be really effective. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so to me, JHS, it's, it's interesting because he's just not a guy I thought about at all um, yeah. with, with this pick. Um, I The first guy that jumped out to me, so I based it on ES. I was, like, looking at ESPN's board because it's not like, like, you're the guys, like, I think are, are really good yeah. like, if they're not going to be there. So, like, the guy who ESPN has 10 right now, who to me just does not feel like he's going to be 10 in a month, is Taylor Hendricks like? Yeah, that's if, where there's I think no the way, tankathon right? sim, dude. No, there. If like, yeah, so, right. shout out to Paige. She just did like a pick your four uh, thing on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure everybody's four, mine included, had Taylor Hendricks. So like, yeah, there is no way that everybody in in the consensus all across the board can say that Taylor Hendricks is like they're one of their four favorite players in the league and that he falls to Dallas at 10. There's no way. So, but he's my second player. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to humor it. Like I'm if, like if we're doing the exercise, like based on consensus, like ESPN is like one of the biggest outlets. So presumably he could be here. Uh, Yeah. He would be outrageous here because he is all those Mm -hmm. things they need. He is very big. He's six foot nine. He's really long. Uh, He does not need the ball. He makes, so 
I'm going to get to this in a second, but he's a very, very, very good knockdown three-point shooter. And he can yeah. defend up and down. Excellent weak side rim protector, which is something that they could benefit from. Um, but also, like, got really good at sitting down on a stance later in the year and switching on to smaller players. So love what he's going to bring on defense, especially once this frame fills out. Um, offensively, I think he's, like, a lot savvier with the ball in his hands than people want to give him credit for. Now I'm not saying like he's yeah. Jairus, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not Jairus, but like as far as how quickly he moves the ball, his basic recognition and his like, Oh, I'm just going to attack this close out. It's all really good. Like it's on a yeah. really good place for a player, his age and his size that like, I, I do think he is going to be like a pretty positive, like assist to turnover guy long-term. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think he's ever going to break guys down off the dribble. Um, but I do think that he's got a little bit more juice to him and he's a lot more creative and clever and smart as far as how he reads the floor on offense than people want to give him credit for. So that's my little Taylor Hendricks thing. Do I think he's going to be there? No, but if ESPN says he is, I got to acknowledge it. No, and and you're right for doing that. I wasn't trying to um, to say a phrase that I absolutely hate. I wasn't trying to poo-poo that. No, um, no. And I, I, I think I have him tenth on the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have him at 10th on my board too. Now, there are people who will tell you, yeah, I believe in his creation. No, I don't. Uh I had the I had the honor to talk to to um Taylor Hendricks uh when he went to play ECU at mm-hmm. um in Orlando home and watched that game. And I got to talk to him afterwards. And the number one thing that he says that he needs to improve upon is his ball handling skill, right? Like he needs to develop the ability to to take some confident dribbles and make a play whether that be scoring or passing out of that i do think that the screen setting throughout the year got better he kind of found ways to be an effective off ball big uh despite having a little bit of a lack of size and i think that maxwell you're one of these people who keep bringing this up and it's a great reminder that he may not be physically as ready as what a lot of people are kind of insinuating that he might yeah be. yeah yeah he's gonna he's gonna take a minute and i think he's gonna fill it out like i mentioned before like yeah. i i love his frame like i like mm-hmm. his frame a lot i just think like people they're like oh he's gonna come in he's gonna play like one through five it's like i i don't know about that Maybe. like he he really struggled to the basket this year and i yeah, again yeah. like i'm i'm optimistic about all this stuff i'm just saying like yeah. if we're talking about him like as a rookie yeah and but what so let's talk about the dallas fit now i think yeah. that he can play off of Luca so well, and I think that whatever they want to do at the big spot, whether or not they want to give JaVel McGee another go at the at the big man spot, I think that Taylor is going to be one of these effective weak side rim protectors. And when I wrote about him earlier in the year and how I think that he was tailor-made for the NBA, I, I think that he fits this like modernized Twin Towers lineup that we see um, a lot of teams in the NBA going for look at what Orlando is doing. Look what, yep. what Cleveland is doing. Utah, LA now with a trade acquisition that they had um, with what Minnesota was looking to do before the trade. You know, they have there are teams that have these kind of like utility, versatile two man, uh, two big man lineups. And I think that Taylor kind of exemplifies that in a really positive way. And it, he's very malleable player, whether you want him to be. Uh, four that plays the three or four that plays the five. I think it depends on the roster that you put in around him. Mm-hmm. And I think that he could be that guy like Lowry Markin who could be a three or four, or he could be a guy like what we see in Orlando who gives you minutes at the four and the five, like a Jonathan Isaac. There's just the, he's like a blank canvas, but 
already a very pretty one where his entry level skill set is a three point shooter and a weak side rim protector. And at yeah. his position, that's highly desirable. Very, very valuable tools to have in the modern NBA. Yeah. Um, so just a heads up, be prepared for my, my daughter's weekly guest appearance on the pod <laughs> as, as she's getting ready for bed. Uh, yes. but I want to get to my next guy here. So ESPN has this guy 12. I've got him 10, uh, mm-hmm. case Wallace. He's who, my fourth guy. Yeah. I think, I think, so here's my thing with case. I think there's a chance case Wallace is the false ceiling guy in this draft mm-hmm. class. Um, I get that. It's like, cause like every time we talk about him, I'm guilty of this too. It's like, oh yeah, like he's going to be good. Like he's. He can make open threes and, you know, he can, he can pass it enough and he can really defend. Like I, I think case and sneaky got a lot of upside is a three level okay. score. So here's you the giving him like, the Kentucky bump right now. Is that what's happening? I don't even think it's like a Kentucky bump. I think to a degree it is because like he did play like alongside like Jacob Toppin and Sheboy a lot. So it's like, he didn't have mm-hmm. stellar spacing, but they played a lot of shooters with him. They were very cognizant of like, well, let's, we got to make sure we've got Reeves and Frederick out there. And things yeah. Like that. It wasn't the worst situation on earth. Um, but like, if you look at his shooting numbers, he was probably the best guard in this like first round tier, as far as getting to the basket on yep. best percentage at the rim out of any of them, except probably Kobe Bufkin, who again, got their unassisted a lot, was able or got their assisted quite a bit. Um, really good pull up two point shooter pretty good at pull up threes even though he didn't take a ton of them i think he got a lot better reading the floor as the year went along and the big knock on him that i always had was like his handle's not super advanced his footwork isn't great which is all stuff you can work on and develop Mm -hmm. and then if that gets there and then he's breaking guys down a little bit more he's playing pick and rolls in different ways this is all stuff you can learn just with experience you could be looking at a really really well-rounded and threatening offensive player who can lighten that load. Um, and again, I know that I was like, they need size, they need size, they need size. And I'm like a six, four point guard, <laughs> but, but uh, Kaysen is really tough. He can really defend. And I think there might be more offensive juice to him than people realize. And I, I don't know, I, maybe I'm, I'm just getting carried away with like what I saw in the film and, and just really coming away from my deep dive impressed with him. But like, I th- I think there's a chance Kaysen's the false ceiling guy in this class. All right. So, man, before we hit um, my my Kaysen take and we'll get to my last guy, we'll, we'll go ahead and take a quick break real quick, and then we'll be right back to, to finish out the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, we're back. Um, Maxwell, you just got done talking about Kaysen Wallace. He was the fourth. I uh, still haven't covered my third yet, but I just want to touch on Kaysen. I, I, I mentioned him earlier. 
What do you think the chances that he is 6'4 are? Do you think that he's a, a legit 6'4 or is he a little smaller, do you think? He might be a little smaller, but I think because of how tough he plays and how he covers yeah. ground defensively, I'm not super worried about it. And so with that being said, if he is not 6'4, do you expect him to be a 1-3 through three defender in the NBA? Because I feel like there's like... You have to, if you like a prospect, you have to say that they will be able to defend more positions than they actually do at the next level, right? Like Taylor Hendricks, is he a two through five, one through five <laughs> yeah, defender? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if he is or not. But I tend I'm, to be I'm more conservative. Yeah, I tend yeah. to be more conservative about that. I think one through two is there. That's where, like, and Nathan I and I have talked about this exhaustively, and I think you've been in, on some of these conversations too. Is like that's where like, the Drew Holiday comparison loses me a little bit. Yep. Like if he'd had and like, Mark is smart. Yeah. yeah, and like remember the game where like Davion guarded Cade in college, yeah. and it was like, oh man, like wow, I did not expect that. <laughs> like he didn't have one of those. Like he didn't have one of those games where it's like he's guarding way up the positional spectrum. I'm not saying he can't do it, but the evidence of it just isn't there yet. Um. Where, yeah, to me, I feel much, much safer just being, like, really good on ones and twos, which is fine. That's, like, it's not a bad yeah. thing to be, so. No, as long as you can defend your position, you'll probably <laughs> yeah. be fine. Like, and if you don't die on switches, that's the other thing where, like, people who are so flippantly putting out, like, Marcus Smart comparisons. That's remember, wild. He covered Pascal Siakam yeah. in the playoffs, like, easily, mm-hmm. like, gave him problems, so. I'm not quite there with Cason Wallace. I'm much like you. I think that he'll be a good one and two defender and probably won't die on some threes. But if you consider the size of some of the threes in today's NBA, that's a, bigger and bigger. You know, like no pun intended, or oh, not pun, pun intended. That's a tall order for someone like him to be able to cover. But again, we're talking about a guy who, much like I brought up with Zion, a guy you can put out there who can shoot off of him, who can defend off of him much like Taylor Hendricks, that's a good baseline entry level skill set to have at the one. And if he does have this Kentucky bump, I'm not as high on him with this Kentucky bump thing, because I think where that bump exists is on teams where Kentucky has had multiple point guards on yeah, the floor yeah, yeah. at the same time. Kaysen didn't really have to deal with that type of struggle this year. He didn't, ha- I mean, they have Sabir Wheeler, but I'm talking about well, like other like didn't- play as much as i anticipated him to like they pretty quickly got off the like yes Let's play severe and case together thing exactly and the other thing with this whole kentucky bump thing is like they get point guards that'll be on the court at the same time who also have the expectation of being drafted case was in a unique situation in kentucky history to where he didn't really have to deal with that and he made the most of it and that i will always talk about it he's the pound for pound best defensive player in this class, his chase down blocks are super scary. And it's incredible how he can just kind of like tractor beam people in transition to have to come to the back basket only to have their shot turned away. The last player that I have, Maxwell, Jordan Hawkins. I, I don't know where you I don't know where you live in the rankings of like guys like yeah. him, Jet, Brady. You know, there are a lot of uh, I'm sorry, Bryce Sensabaugh, who is also mm-hmm. a shooter, not just a scorer. Yep, yep. Um, I don't know where you live on how your group – and Max Lewis, can't forget about him. Yep, yep. Another program. There's a lot of shooters in this class, but what I like mm-hmm. about Jordan Hawkins is I think that he has some good athleticism to his game as well, and I think that he is going to be a pretty solid defender 
at the next level as well. How do you feel about that? I've been, I've been like really, I feel like I'm, I've been moving Jordan Hawkins on my board every single day. Like yeah. I am in a I'm good really, way or a bad way. Uh, depends on the day. Like, I feel like oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm having a really hard time with Jordan Hawkins yeah. to be honest. So obviously I buy the shot, right? Like he takes a million for 100 possessions. Uh, that's, that's for synergy. No, <laughs> yeah, that's he, an he actual, he takes that a is a hard stat. Yeah. yeah. He takes <laughs> a lot of threes. Um, he's an outstanding movement shooter, right? Um, mm-hmm. with Hawkins, I, I agree. I think he really gets after it on defense. My concern is like, again, like guarding up because I think he's mm-hmm. really small and I don't think he has like a body where he's going to defend a lot of positions. Do you think that he's so, six, five? I do not. I don't, I think, I think he's I think smaller. He's, I think he's six, three. I think he's, his That's wingspan's probably see. like six, five. Like he yeah. does not look big. Uh, and I don't think he's super strong either. So my concern with Hawkins is twofold. So with defense, I think he's going to be able to guard point guards really well. So I think that's yeah. like one thing that I think is like working his favor. It's like if you're playing with a big initiator, you can yeah, have like Hawkins be your guy who exactly who runs around and then he guards the one on the other mm-hmm. side of the floor, and that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's going to be pretty limited as far as his strength because guys are going to push him around. Um, and then on offense, I do not like how he reads the floor at all i was yeah. texting you about this the other day I yeah like, i remember i i do not like this pick and roll film there was like one <laughs> possession where he missed alex caravan open twice like caravan was open on the perimeter he misses him he dives to the basket and he misses him again and i was like oh no and like his role is basically going to be like catch it and pass it right back and keep moving or shoot it so like it's not like it needs to be there buddy hill but that's but what i keep exa- exactly like, exactly him too yeah. yeah but like i I just wish there was a little bit more with him chase off the line where it's like, I can't quite get to him versus those bigger guys like Sensabot, Jet and Grady or like the better or like Max Max Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, In like, or like just from like a decision-making standpoint, like a Grady or a Jet, like Mm -hmm. I'd rather just have a little bit less shooting, but the extra size and the, the trust that those guys can bring. Um, even if it's not the same level of movement shooting, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and like those guys all have defensive issues, right? Where it's like, who do they guard? With Hawkins, it's like I know who he guards. He guards. Yeah, them exactly. Um, but then you have less line of melee, but whatever. We, we <laughs> but yeah, this is this is why I'm freaking myself out about Jordan Hawkins every single day. So uh, yeah, I think he's good. I think ten is just too rich for me. Given like, I'd rather go bigger. I'd rather yeah. like swing harder. Um, yeah, looking at where I, ha- I mean, I have him at eleven, which isn't like, but like crazy. Like, and it's like it's it's the classic like redraft conundrum, right? Of mm-hmm. like in a redraft, he's really good chance he's bringing that kind of value, but like, I I don't know. I I'd rather I'd rather just be a little gutsier here. Got to mention Keontae too, and that's that's the crazy thing. It's like there are so many shooters in this class. I think that. That's like the sneaky underlying story is like beyond the scoot versus Wimby and the scoot versus Brandon. And where do you have the Thompsons? Like there is so much shooting in the first round. And then you get the second round. There's even more shooting. There's going to be undrafted dudes that if you want a bucket, you can go and sign one. Like Miami, this is your draft class. If you need more shooters to get rid of Duncan (laughs) Robinson. And, and that's why I'm looking at like Jordan Hawkins. He's the name that I put down because he's who I have ranked the highest currently out of the, the, just the shooters, not the scores, just Mm -hmm. the shooters. 
because you want someone to play off of Luca, and that's why I think that the fit, if yeah. throwing away ten, the fit makes sense. But I could have swapped out all those other names that we mentioned and just felt just as good, in all honesty, mm-hmm. with any of them playing off of a jumbo initiator. It's just which one do you think has the longest staying power? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and then for this last one. Uh, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up Derek Lively again. Uh, just kind of piggybacking off that your point him? about like I I'd consider it. I would. So Ooh. here's my thing. So here's the ESPN top ten right now. It's it's Victor Brandon Miller, Scoot Thompson, Twins, Jarris Whitmore, Anthony Black, Grady Dick, Taylor Hendricks. I would like I would love to bet on like any of those dudes here, except probably Grady Dick. Like nothing yeah, against Grady Dick. I just, He's yeah, it's perfectly just fine 10. player. Yeah, exactly. It's just at 10. I, I want to go a little bit bigger with it. Um, I drafted and, him at eight to Indiana twice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I can't say. Anything. Yeah. But like I, if any of those dudes fell, I trust me. Like I'm just, I just want to get this out there. If any of those dudes fall, I'm taking one of those dudes or Ted mm-hmm. Hendricks if he's there. Um, mm-hmm. But outside of them, I, if again, it just comes back to like, if you think Derek Lively might shoot it, like mm-hmm. then, uh, maybe and even if not he's gonna give you that rim protection he's gonna give you that defense and we know this man is okay not taking shots and playing yes. with the basketball Derek Lively if he's proven anything he has proven he is very okay not having the ball in his hands which does make him a very good Luca fit um yes. but if you do want to be competitive again like I not said not the like, screen setting though not no that's that's got to come along and like yeah. again like he's young he's gonna fill out yes I'm I'm optimistic uh, but he's, yeah, he's just super athletic. Um, I think that he profiles to be a big to complain of playoff series. I like how he passes. I like how he finishes plays. Um, and again, yeah, he's just not going to complain about not having the ball very much. So if all those guys are gone and I've got to play it a little bit more boring, I, I think, I think Derek's the way I go. I do also want to bring up Gigi here. Um, I respect it. So this is very it's 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 rich. It's rich. You know he has to go to Atlanta though. Like if anyone's paid attention to any draft content, like he (laughs) Atlanta and Gigi are married now. I I feel like yeah, I feel like every site, including ours, has mocked him to Atlanta seven hundred times at this point. Exactly. But so here's here's the Gigi case, right? Last year, Jane Hardy comes out and Jane Hardy falls, and everybody's like Oh, well, you know, Jaden Hardy kind of feels like he needs the ball. I'm not wild about the decision-making. His positional size isn't great, whatever. And then, like, he comes in, and, like, Dallas does a great job with him developmentally, and he's just totally content. Like, they get him in a position where he's all right taking the smaller role, mm-hmm. and they really guide him along, and it looks like he's able to do a lot of things that he was doing really well. I think Gigi's a guy where maybe, like, you plug him in, and you get him in this simplified role where it is you catch and shoot you dive to the basket, you go after it on the offensive glass on defense, you, you guard your man. And it takes away some of the, like, you've got to find a way to get a shot every single play that like can just like be mentally draining. And I wonder if in that environment, like that helps. And the one thing that Jason Kidd always got a lot of credit for when he was the Bucks coach was just like how he found ways to use really long, like big dudes defensively to generate deflections and, and make plays and things like that. And I just wonder like if he can find something in GG defensively, like again, I don't, I don't think I would go for GG here, but I do wonder if Dallas might be one of the better fits for him. Given what Jason kids done well as a defensive coach in the past, given that he brings the size and athleticism that they need 
And given like what we saw from them, like taking a guy like Jaden Hardy, who everyone was like, oh, he needs the ball. He needs it. And then like immediately Jaden Hardy looks like an NBA player. Like, I just wonder if, if taking this six, nine, like guy in a similar mold is maybe, maybe worth considering. I mean, is he your Christian Wood replacement? Like right off the get? I mean, there's could be. I, yeah, I think I think that there's a lot of carryover there with the the positional handle, the the shooting and scoring ability. Yeah, uh, might the not of, be the lack of room protection. I was just about to say, <laughs> might not be the top half at his position defensively, yeah, yeah, yeah. but maybe you can kind of figure some stuff out yeah. around him. But I think the with his of, agility, I like yeah. I trust him more to be a wing. Yeah, and you you could trust him more to be a wing. I I. I'm I'm not married to him like I'm not trying to nail him down positionally. I think that he is just kind of like a flex dude. Like what is Julius Randle a little four? Do you consider him a four? Because he sure as heck like handles the ball and shoots and does a lot of mm-hmm. stuff off the bounce as well. So I don't know. Maybe he's a Julius Randle Christian Wood type guy. And yeah, th- there's there's value in that man. Like those dudes land contracts and they stay on teams. Uh, and again. Taking him at 10 might feel rich to some people. There are some places that I've seen, dude, that like have him like on the outskirts of the first round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I've and like I've cooled on him a lot. Like yeah. Fri- and like I said, like tomorrow is my deep dive day. But just like philosophically, he's a guy I've thought about a lot lately, where it's like maybe this stuff is easier. Maybe you need to trust the earlier portion. Exactly. And I have him 18 on my board, but he might be one of these like ultimate redraft dudes who are like, what in the world were we thinking? You know, yeah like, yeah why like why couldn't we see that the that the team was crazy that he wasn't in a good spot that he's 17 years old playing in sec which might be one of if not the toughest conferences for someone and he he was putting up like one of the top freshman scores in in all of the sec and he did it on a bad team you know what i mean like that's still yeah. pretty impressive so but don't you and think he like, did, to play devil's advocate though don't you think the other side of that redraft argument is there too where it's going to be oh, like, absolutely. Here was a guy that like kind of put out some negative character stuff on himself. Had a forty four point four percent effective field goal percentage. The measurements weren't great. It was pretty obvious he couldn't protect the rim. The assist rate is ghastly. Like if it doesn't pan out, it's going to feel like oh well. He was he was like it was there the whole time. There but I think signs. the other the other side of that is true too. Like. Yeah. The GG hindsight takes are going to be brutal. Everyone is going to have had the correct opinion on GG in hindsight. Like I, I just feel it in my bones that like a lot of that happened with Jaden Hardy this year, right? Where like yeah. our site, we stayed pretty high on Jaden Hardy. And like, I had him like 14 or 13. We had him in the like, lottery, was, like consensus. Yeah. I think we had him at like 12. If I'm not like mistaken. we had him higher than he went, yeah. but like Jaden Hardy was one of these guys where like, after the year, everyone's like, Oh yeah, no, I had Jaden Hardy like really high. Like there were some people that were like, they don't yeah. get me wrong. But like, yeah, for sure. I, I feel like Gigi is going to be one of those guys. Right? I feel like everyone's going to change their take after after. If you're year. suggesting like, that revisionist history happens after the draft, yeah, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I I, I think Gigi is one of those guys where whatever happens, it's going to feel like it was obvious the entire time, and it's just a matter of like trying to get on the right side of that. And I'm I'm not entirely sure which side that is, but it's similar in all honesty to like the Thompsons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's some people that are crazy high on him some people that are crazy low on him and right now you could be justified in either direction that you live Mm -hmm. on their takes along with gg and no one's wrong right now to your point like no one is wrong about how they feel about it right now and you might not figure out who's vindicated for years depending on what developmental system he lands in well and it's so interesting too that like you we mentioned christian wood earlier right because like christian wood it's like 
ultimately like where would you put Christian Wood in a redraft? Because then if you relive a redraft, it's like, well, it's like gonna take like five, six years for him to figure it out. So it's like exactly when when is the value gonna come if he hits too? Like that's the other thing you have to think about if you're the team drafting. Um, but I do also wonder like trades happen all the time in the NBA, right? Like guys yeah, ask absolutely. out. And if you're Dallas and like you are somehow in a position where another star becomes available and wants to go there, does it make sense to take a guy like Gigi solely for the upside? So that if another team says, Hey, we have a star player available, you say we can give you uh cap space filler and Jaden Hardy and Gigi Jackson. Like even from that standpoint alone, if he's not contributing as a rookie, does it make sense to be like, well, here's this guy who's got like gobs of potential. Yeah, especially if you take him higher, like, like, oh, yeah, he was yeah. a 10th overall pick, you know? Exactly. Maybe that. Mm-hmm. It's easier to sell. But then again, it's a lot of the same stuff that we're talking about now being the potential negatives. It's like, what team, if you're looking to trade him after all of that, like, oh, okay, like, let me take this, you know, quote unquote, uh, what some people may perceive as damaged goods. Although I don't, yeah. I don't think that any of us feel that way. Like, I still have him in the lottery and I wouldn't yeah. be against moving him up. Yeah, yeah. I I had him in like the early 20s and I'm just I don't know. Tomorrow is going to be an interesting day. Tomorrow we're going to figure it all out. <laughs> but yeah. was was there anybody else that you would like really consider for Dallas? Like to me the dream is a SAR. Like a SAR is the dream guy. Yeah, it's crazy that none of us spoke about him, but it's I mean, I'm looking at my board like guys who could be there. Like Anthony Black is it crazy? Would it be crazy that Black he there. that he goes there? You know, Keontae George could be a guy uh just looking at the rest of my my board here is what okay so let me ask you this we already kind of spooled that i'm right about cam i don't think that he should fall that far do you but Corey's latest draft uh rankings or the consensus ranking that he does for no ceilings have him at seven do you think that's crazy that he might come down a couple spots i feel like somebody is gonna take him but i don't know like Cause he's, he's one of those guys where like, I feel like if you're in analytically inclined, like super analytically inclined, like you're just going to see the assist rate and be like, no way. <laughs> um, and my like, article is going to explain away the assist. Rate yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm way. with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he fell, like I, I would be all over it. Like I, yeah. Especially if I'm Dallas where like, again, it's like, it's going to be a simplified role where it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, we just need you to make a decision fast. Like that that's the only scary. thing you have to change is like, just catch and go or catch and shoot, make your mind up before you get the ball. And that's, that's the only tweak we need to make for you to be effective here. Like and he I would, I would love that. Yeah. Mm. I would love Cam Whitmore here. Asar being a good wing defender, play finisher. Yeah. That's, that was pretty weird, interesting. Cause it feels like the whole, like Asar is actually quite a bit worse than a man thing. He's gone away, which is good. Cause we've been beating the Asar is good drum for yes. a long time. Uh, but it felt like for a while, like Asar was always in like the 12 range. And now like on the last draft pick, it's like the lowest anybody's got him is like six. So I think we're yeah. past that. Um, but yeah, to me, he's like the dream faller just because he is hyper athletic and he brings like that secondary playmaking stuff. But he also is just like so good and comfortable off the ball. He's not um, taking shots away from Luca. No, 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 no. That like, yeah, he he very much knows how to play alongside someone who likes to have the ball mm-hmm. a lot because that's how his brother is. And like, yeah, if he just becomes like an okay catch and shoot shooter, SR is like a dream as a complimentary player. So, yeah, that's like to me like the the best case scenario. But I, it just seems less and less likely that that's going to happen. Do you draft Asar Thompson if you have Josh Green at home? Yeah, I don't worry about drafting over okay. Josh Green. 
And okay. like, I think you can play them all together. Um, I think you yeah, can you play could. Asar, Josh Green, and Luka together. Um, well, there's some people, Maxwell, that think Asar has just as good a handle as a man. Like he could be a creator as well. I th- I th- I think he can be too. I I don't think it's as good because I don't think he's as like fluid. Like he needs to come to a stop more. He's not as good, um, in terms of like I'm going and I'm doing something super creative off the bounce. Like yeah, it's it's got to be a little bit like slower. But I do think he gets out of control a little bit less than a man. Um, yeah. I think the big difference to me too is like the finishing with the two of them, where like a men is a lot more coordinated when he goes up with it. And like, to me, that is like the big difference in their finishing percentages. Like when Asar contorts, it looks ugly. Like when he yeah. contorts and he throws something up, it's like that did, that didn't look right. <laughs> uh, really? But I do, I like his instincts a lot better than I like immense. And I like his shot better than I like immense, but I, I just don't think he's like as seamless a playmaker and as good of a finisher. Yeah. I, I totally buy that, man. But I, I don't really have very many other, I mean, Picking at 10, it's really hard for... feels like that's where, like, a lot of the upside kind of runs out. A weird range. As far as, like, the super, super high, like, very obvious, clearer path high upside guys go. Yeah, I don't want to draft anywhere from, like, 7 to, you know, maybe 15, 16, because I feel (laughs) like it's... There's a lot of, like, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good talent in there, but it's, like, the margin and the positional overlap that some of these guys yeah. have too, where it's just like, which one of these point guards or wing shooters would you prefer? You the know? wing shooter one is, is a really good point too, because like, I feel like I can talk myself into any one of like mm. Lewis Sensabaugh, Dick Howard on the right day that it's just like, would I rather just trade back four picks and get get a little something else. And then take yeah. the guy I'm lower on on that day who two days later, I might actually like more than the other ones. I don't, I don't know. But we're sickos, man. Like, I'm pretty sure we could go another hour talking about yeah. which undrafted free agent candidates. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any uh, UDFA targets for either team? Oh, man. Uh, there's, really like? I, I think for Dallas, I think for Dallas and New Orleans, a uh, shout out to Rucker. He brought up Isaiah Wong uh, as okay. a guy that he likes as being drafted. I kind of, he's like right on, he's teetering to me. So like if he mm-hmm. went undrafted, I think that he would be a guy that if I'm Dallas, I'm calling him up. Uh, I like Jordan Miller. I like Jalen Slauson. I like Tyler Burton. Uh, I like Slauson and Burton for these teams a lot. Um, how about Zach Eady as a center for either one of these oh, teams? If he's not drafted. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I don't love it. Um, yeah. I'm going to throw up my guy to Monty Kamara. Again, okay. he's again, it's like a size and athleticism guy, more so for, for Dallas. Um, what do we think of Jalen Bridges if he stays in? Because I think he's testing, mm. and I know the shot's yeah. a little, mm, but in Dallas, there's I think so many players that are just like him. Like, yeah. would you rather have him or Landers Nolly? Was an, is another Landers is, is a more guy? like sure thing shooter. I like Landers Nolly more for the Pelicans but I would go the other direction for Dallas. Okay. Um, I like Cliff too. Undrafted. Cliff Amore. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. I would love Cliff Amore for either of these teams. Because he's just so big in tools and athletic. And I cannot believe that he's like an elite camp guy instead of a combine guy. Uh, but, uh, but I think our site's high on Cliff Amore. Uh, the other guy like who's that. like in the undrafted range that like, I don't think is going to stay there is Omax Prosper. Like if I can get Omax as an undrafted for either team, I'm, I'm taking him there, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be that way in a month. 
Dallas's um, new DFS. If you get OMP in the in that system, I think he does yeah. a lot of the same things. Yeah, but I th- yeah I feel like those are the big targets, right? Like those big athletic, like can yeah. they can they shoot it? Like kind of guys are all who I would be after. For Demoy Hodge people. might be an. Demoy Hodge could be a sneaky yeah. one. Which team would you? He's Dallas. more of like a Dallas guy. Oh, I think God. Dallas. Yeah, I think he's more of a New Orleans guy. Because I think they've yeah. got so many other guys that can handle it that it's like you can play off Ingram, you can play him off Zion, and he just mucks it up on the other end. He's basically giving you similar kind of stuff as Alvarado without like generating paint touches. How how crazy would he and Alvarado be as a bench unit, just kind of like bench mob between the two of them? I That'd feel be- like there would be very few teams you could play them <laughs> together against. What if you play like yes. a team like the Bulls that is like 90 point guards and then like one center? <laughs> That's, or Indiana, that's yeah. Against. yeah there are teams you could do it but i don't think we would get to see it too often but no yeah i think i think that does it is there anybody else want to touch on or i mean like i said dude it's, we are the resident uh draft sickos i would say <laughs> as far as like getting into the mm-hmm. into the weeds of things we could go all day dude but yeah um i had a lot of fun breaking down these yeah. two teams uh i just think that you know moving forward uh as we start getting deeper into the lottery, it's going to be more fun to figure out, you know, who fits well. But I love exercises like these, man, because it, it makes you kind of think about, okay, these are where guys are projected or where teams are projected to be picking. How does that affect your big board? I, th- I think yep. that things like these are incredibly valuable. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, so yeah, that, that does it for this week's episode. Uh, Steven, you mentioned your piece, you got Cam Whitmore coming out, but where can people find you on social media? Yeah, the Cam Wentworth piece is going to be out the same day that everybody's listening to this. So please go to nocealingsmba.com. Check that out. It's absolutely free. Uh, Maxwell, we have been getting such an outpouring of support from, you know, fans, scouts, analysts, NBA front you know, front offices. A lot of people coming and checking us out. It's just yeah. been so crazy to see. Um, but, yeah, nocealingsmba.com is where you find all my written work. Follow me on Twitter at Stephen G. Hoops. That's Stephen with a P-H. Uh, the letter G and then hoops and shout out to just everybody that's been coming over and listening because your teams are now entering the the end part of the season and you're wanting to pay attention to who some of these draft prospects are. Um, we have covered, I don't know, Maxwell, how many prospects do you think that we've done individual pieces on, oh, let alone mentions, let alone mentions. Yeah. They think tracks this stuff, but it's like 80. in the deep hundreds for mentions and like 80 yeah. some individual prospect focused pieces yeah um, and then we got a lot of you know other projects coming out uh, maxwell i'll turn it over to you you're about to be getting people ready for combine season. yeah yeah so we're still kind of working through logistics on that but we're planning on doing combine preview and recap pieces this coming week uh, but the one thing i i can assure you of for certain is i've got a jet howard piece ready to go for tuesday and then in the quick hits on that one i'm going to touch on uh, some of the guys that did not get combine invites that I think are still very much in the mix, mm. like guys that uh, every year, they're guys that don't get invited to elite camp or the combine and still get like two ways and exhibit tens and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna hit on some of those guys, some of the sicko sicko material for all y'all out there. Uh, but the focus is on jet Howard, because like I, I never really sold my stock on jet. And I feel like the more I've gone back and like the more I've dug through the data in the context of his season, I don't, I don't think it's something you would, should want to do. I understand if you have like concerns about like, what is his upside really? And like, whatever I, I get it. But like, I think he should still be very high 
because I think he yeah. still does a lot of things very, very well when he's healthy. So yeah, we've got that. Don't forget to follow our boy, Nathan as well. Nathan, again, congratulations on the wedding. Could not be happier for you. Make sure you're following him at draft deeper. I am. He's at got Home a huge Sports interview coming up. Yeah. We're not going to swallow that one, but he had Pooh no. Jetter on last week. Listen to that. If you haven't already, because Pooh's story is wild. Um, and just see no ceilings TV on YouTube. Go yes. check that out. Yep. Yeah. And also, um, his insights on the United guys are invaluable because he played with them every single day for the last year. Uh, so very, very good insights from him, but he's got some other stuff in the work. It's, it's crazy. Yes. I know Corey and rocker and other people in the group, were talking about some things that we've got coming down the pipe. I am so excited. I'm so excited for this next month of month and a half of content that we're putting together. Um, I've got an interview that's possibly coming together on another one of those like sicko guys that, that didn't get a combine invite that I think teams are going to be really interested in. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good, good time over at No Ceiling. So make sure you're subscribed to our podcast feed. You're watching the YouTube channel where we've got those interviews going up. You're subscribed to the Substack and getting all of our written work. So make sure you are tuned in. We are ready to go. It's the home stretch. We are more fired up than we've ever been. There is zero burnout. Yeah. We are hyped. Uh, so stay tuned. Thank you for joining us. And have a great night. Much love, y'all.